This is Raga Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff. I'm going solo again for the second time in a row, which is pathetically uh, self-indulgent of me. Um, but the reason is that we have a special guest, and we're just going to let the guy talk. And that would be uh, USA men's sevens coach Mike Friday. Mike's going to be uh, with me for the entire show. And we had a, uh, just a fantastic Long interview uh, here on Rugger Matrix America, which is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Don't forget that. Uh, I, I want to take, talk a little bit about the audio as we come in here. Um, you'll notice that some of the audio is like absolutely perfect because I tried something new and eventually it worked. But part of the time it didn't quite work. It's all completely my fault. But so so there are some. There's one section in this interview where Mike sounds like he's stuck in a basement. Uh, prison cell uh, talking to me through a grate and that really honestly it's not happening uh, and 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 if you hear sort of this humming sound in the background you could or a tinkling sound you can choose to think of it as as like a a fountain in a garden or you can think of it as condensation dripping down the walls of his basement cell it depends upon your uh, worldview as to what is right for you uh, we do have a great interview with uh, Mike Friday. Rugby Matrix America is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Don't forget, I'm Alex Goff. Uh, don't forget to check out what I'm doing on Goff Rugby Report. Bruce and Pat will be back, but uh, this is Mike Friday. All right, so we're here with uh, Mike Friday, and uh, Mike, uh, you've wrapped up another season and and you know by by any measurement uh for those of us who've been covering the team for years it was a very successful season um all but two tournaments you made the top 8 um that's a record um made the top 6 that's a record um how did you feel about the season yeah i mean i think you know if we, we if we look at it in the, in the wider context over the over the two years, then I think we can be very pleased with our work and we've certainly moved forward. But, you know, I, I can't help but look back and, and, and be disappointed. Um, and the reason I say that is obviously I'm hugely proud um, of what the boys have achieved and how far they've come and how they've changed their behaviours and their habits and their approach and to being professional rugby players and, and more importantly, how they've translated and done it on the pitch. But I think, you know, the harsh reality of this is we missed a number of kind of big moments um, in in tournaments that, you know, had we taken those big moments that were within our control, then we would have been heavily in the top four. And and when I, and when I talk about that, I look, I look back and I, and I look back at the big moments in that Dubai semi-final against England. I look back at the, uh, the big moments in the Las Vegas semi-final against Fiji and I look back at, um, you know, some big moments in that Scotland semi-final in London. And, you know, they were, some of them were within our control. Some of them, we, we didn't get the rub of the green. But nonetheless, we, we, we probably should have kicked on there. And then, you know, I have further little kind of moments which I reflect upon, like the quarterfinal in Vancouver against Fiji or how we allowed ourselves to have such a poor start in South Africa to gift Kenya 19 points and then not take the opportunity that we did. And, you know, the, you look at those and you think that's the difference between success and failure. That's the difference between being a, 
you know, being recognised as a top four team in the world, which we, we have the capability and the ability to be. But we didn't take those moments. Um, and they're the harsh lessons we have to learn as we build into this next period of Rio is, you know, we have to work out why. Because, you know, we as a group expect a lot more of ourselves um, without losing the perspective of where we've come from. But, you know, we are recognised now as real contenders in the world and we want to live up to that title. We want to live up to that billing. Um, and we are feared and we are respected. But by the same token, if you're one of those top four teams, you kind of think, you know, but they haven't quite done enough yet. So we've, we've got to change that. Um, and we've got a big opportunity to do that in the summer. Interesting that you pick on moments where, you know, you're talking about semifinals. You're talking about getting to a cup semifinal or getting into a, a, a plate final. And that's where a situation where not that long ago, you know, we, we weren't seeing it. I mean, you and I talked about it when you yeah. took the job and I told you that, that the USA held the record for the most shield wins in World Series history. Um, the most consolation of consolation prizes. Um, but you're talking about that, and, and we, we did have two tournaments where you didn't make the top eight, but, but I, think, I think it's uh, maybe it's, it's your attitude toward it. It's like, you know, let's not be satisfied with top six, top four. You know, let's, 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 let's you know, put our foot on their neck um, a little bit harder. I guess seems to be the the way you're looking at it, rather than let's mitigate the losses. I, I I look at those I look at those two tournaments where where we didn't make the cup, and for example Singapore, um, you know we we came out of the traps really quick there and put Canada to the sword. We then were were on the wrong end of of of, of a couple of shall I say suspect tries, which which then put us in a in an awkward position against France where. We, you know, we, we would have or we should have come up, could have won that game. But again, there was a big moment in that New Zealand game where we gifted them a 19-point head start. We got back to 1917, and Perry Baker wins the kickoff. We just need to stay controlled in our in our execution. We win that next ruck, but we don't. We force the offload and we turn over, and the game's gone. So we're out. We're in. We're in. We're in the bowl. And then I look at Paris, and you know there was. There was a number of reasons around why Paris happened, some within our control or some not, but we just were absolutely not at the races in that game against Argentina. And it wouldn't have mattered if we'd have won the next two games because we'd already the damage had been done. But they were valuable learnings for the players, especially that Paris tournament, of what they're in control of and what they're not. And sometimes what you need to do in order to get the job done off the pitch to prepare yourselves for on the pitch are some things that you don't like to do. And there was a, there was a big issue around kind of food um, and being, a, being able to prepare themselves and understand that sometimes you've just got a week to get the fuel in your body because they're race cars, they're race horses. But if you haven't got the right fuel in the engine, then, then you can't operate. And then that affects concentration levels, that affects focus levels, and then ultimately that affects performance. And we saw all of those symptoms arrive in that in that game against Argentina in, in, in Paris. All un, all avoidable, but by the same token required self awareness from the boys and learnings that these types of things, if you don't take if you don't pay attention to the detail, if you're not focused on it, can hurt you. Wow, interesting. So we're not we're not talking about necessarily like 
bad food like Susie, the the waitress from the '95 World <laughs> Cup, uh, but uh, but just they didn't care for it. It was it was different. It was weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, you know, there aren't issues. You know, you've got to understand that we're traveling the world. There's 16 teams in in the World Series, and you know, normally the established tournaments have a have a have a have a menu that's catered for everybody. Whereas this was a new tournament in Paris, and you know, their food is different. And they're still adjusting, and as a consequence, it just doesn't appeal or is appetising necessarily to to certain teams in the way that they cook things and how they cook the things and what they think is cooked and what we do is what we think is cooked. And the rea- the reality of that 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 has a detrimental effect on on, on athletes in the first. It's it's they're hungry, but it, it's just not appealing. And if it's just not appealing, that curbs your appetite. And if you're a normal everyday human being, you can find ways around that. But if you're a sports athlete. Sometimes you've got to eat to make sure you've got fuel in the body, not necessarily because you like what you're eating or you enjoy what you're eating. They were valuable lessons because we, the, the, the replacements that we could put in place or they weren't necessarily of the right quality or the right level that they needed to compete. And the reality is sometimes the boys have got to, you've got to realise you've got to make sacrifices in something as simplistic as nutrition where being candid with you, you've got to eat things you don't like. But if it does a, if it does the job, then you've got to sacrifice and be selfless. And they were learnings. Don't get me wrong; they were learnings because it's very easy for the coach to preach that because the coach can eat anything he likes because he's not actually got to prepare his body. But you know, I, I found it difficult because a, a number of a number of the, the, the bit of, some of the food wasn't appealing for me. But it's not so important for me. Uh, and and you know, we 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 encouraged, we checked. And we, we tried to ensure that it was done, but, it, you know, they they learned valuable lessons in the fact that, you know, you, you can't try and avoid the, the the coach for fear of the fact that he's going to drag you down to make him eat what you want. You've, you've got to you've got to have the, the, the self, the self-confidence, the self-belief, the, the self-discipline to get the job done. And that sometimes means doing things that you don't like to do, even on simplistic things like nutrition. And I know that sounds a real pervert, you know, odd thing to talk about, but that's what we're talking about at the elite end of sport. You know, it's these little things that make the difference and how you prepare and focus through the start of the week, if it's not quite right, can come back to, to bite you at the end of the week. And it certainly did that um, in Paris. I mean, we learned the lessons because we were a very different team in London. Um, but our preparation, our nutrition was very, very different. Preparation. You you also have um, people coming from very different backgrounds. You've talked about the team coming from different uh, different backgrounds. You're you're proud of that, uh, which you should be. Hundred um, yeah. percent. You know, people are used to certain things, and 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 you get. Um, you know, I, I went on school trips to France, and kids are looking at me going, "They just gave us a bag of bread and cheese for breakfast. <laughs> just dro- dropped it off in our room. That's not a breakfast." Because well, you know, you're just gonna have to adjust. Well, it's kind of tough. And and if you're young, you know, you're 22 years old or whatever, and and you've You've lived life a certain way. It, it um, you know, you, you do you do have to adjust, but no, it's, it's not, not always easy. No, huge like compromises, and like you say, it's not the norm. And you know, like you know, all sportsmen, especially elite sportsmen, like routine, and it breaks the routine. And on the established tournaments, there's a routine on what's what's recognisable and towards you know acceptable menus and foods, and and, and that's still evolving there. But they're things you can't control. And you have to find a way, even if you're a young man or, or an experienced tourist. But they're learning 
their learning methods. But as you say, we've we have got such a cosmopolitan, eclectic group that have you know, and that's that's the beauty. That's you know, that's something to be proud of in 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 the USA team because it represents the country. Um, but with that, it, it does have its it does have its problems. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Interesting. Now, now looking ahead to to Brazil. First of all, I'm assuming you're not going to uh, let the boys wander off the out of the village and go to the first street cart they see <laughs> and order some street food. I mean, Most you know, first not. of all, there's the whole thing about you know, hey, you know, go play with the local food when you're on vacation, but you know, you, you don't want to mm. you don't want to get in trouble yeah. there, I guess. Um, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not there yeah. on vacation, and they'll they'll know that wholeheartedly. And the reality is, the good thing about the Olympic villages, you know, that they know what they're doing. There will be, you know, the issue at the Olympic villages making sure they don't eat too much and too much of the wrong right. stuff. There'll be plenty of choice, and there'll be a lot of bad choices as well as good choices. And it's recognizing when they're allowed the bad choices and when they're like when they when when they have to steer clear of that because, you know, athletes are at different stages of competition throughout that whole period. So. Yes, your dietary needs can be different once you've finished competition. So the village will cater for all of that. But if you're preparing and focusing, you have to stay disciplined and focus on the right food groups and what you need to ensure that your body has got the right fuel to kind of prepare and deliver come tournament day. Is this new, uh, new territory for you in terms of thinking about the Olympics? Um, not 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 really in some respects. Obviously, I've had you know experience from obviously doing the Commonwealth oh, Games right, with sure. England. So, I've done multi-sport um, competitions before. I mean, look, get me wrong though. You know, the Commonwealth Games is significantly for smaller than the Olympics, but nonetheless, it does give you the background and and give you a, a feeling and an understanding of what expected, what a, what a village is like, what a multi-sport games is like, the fact that you're part of a, a bigger team than what you normally are. You know, and we've all don't forget we, we we've also obviously participated in the Pan Am Games, which again is on a smaller scale, but replicates a lot of what we will expect in the Olympic um, in the Olympic team. But nonetheless, it's on a on a on a far smaller scale, and there's going to be far more pressure, far far more media eye, um, and far more attention when we get to the Olympics, because obviously it's the biggest sporting festival there is on the planet. So the reality is it's, you know, it's, it's the biggest event that you can be involved with from a sporting context. For those of you listening, if you don't know what the Commonwealth Games is, that is, is basically the Olympics for the old British Empire. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it actually used to be really, really fun to watch uh, – um, growing up in England and, and, and watching that and, and seeing some of the athletes who come up through that, uh, seeing some of the great uh, Kenyan athletes and, and uh, yeah. um, you know, from, from everywhere from Fiji, from, from, uh, from obviously Australia, New Zealand, and, and uh, all, the, all the countries that used to be part of the British Empire. Uh, I, think, I think the Commonwealth exists for the Commonwealth Games now. I'm not sure if there's anything else. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. yeah. But, I wouldn't be surprised. But, I, but it, that was the first multi-sport event that had rugby i think it was 98 yes it is and 98 i played in that <laughs> how great was that what was that 98 in kuala lumpur i mean it was hot it was real <laughs> hot um i mean i was losing we were losing three kgs a game oh, boy. i mean it was brutal it was brutal I and mean, back then we played in big thick cotton shirts right but you know it was great because you know you had you had all the rugby super australia were there david campese mm -hmm. South Africa, Van der Vesthuizen, New Zealand, Jonah Lomu, Christian Cullen, Vindiri, 
You know, Samoa there, Fiji were there, Sarevi, Vinabaka. You know, it was it was it was it was full on. Um, and you know, in terms of from a rugby perspective, you know, all the rugby superpowers were there. Um, and and actually, know, I remember Canada did pretty well in that one. Yes, they did. Canada were there, and Canada Canada got to the knockout stages yeah. as well. And that was probably the the first time that we started to see Canada make big dents. Yep. And uh, uh, so so you're you're familiar with that. You've got that down. What about the preparation? So we've we've talked about this this past, and really it's it's the last eighteen months, I would say, that you've gone through two seasons plus the Pan Am Games. Um. And this last season was ten tournaments. It's been a lot of of sevens rugby for these players. Are you? Are you yeah. And and you were talking about them. The, the, they're sort of they're sort of on remote training, taking a little bit of time off. What what's the plan to get the guys ready and and there and? Well, yeah. Peaked? I mean, the reality. Yeah, I mean, since London, they 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 needed um, to recover the minds and freshen up the bodies and recover from the hits and. Rest and recovery is a, is a huge part of performance training. Um, it's probably the most important part. So they've had the last kind of three weeks, three and a half weeks to to to, to do that. Um, and then this last week, just you know, we're in now that they've started their kind of remote training just to get the the, the muscle memory to to start to remember what they what it needs to be doing. Um, and then that will that will build up next week, and then and then we will move full on into. Um, kind of Olympic training camp from the 20th of, of, of June. And that first week again will be a heavy conditioning part. Um, and then by the 27th of June, everyone will be back because obviously we've released a number of players to play in the, in the 15s test matches in order to, to get their match time up because they haven't played as much as we would want. And we need to keep them fresh and sometimes a change is as good as a rest. So they'll come in feeling energetic and they're feeling fresh in a different way. Um, and then we go all at it from uh, from from the twenty seventh of, uh, of June as as, uh, as an Olympic training group. Excellent. You have uh, at at that point, um, you know, somebody comes in carrying an injury. I mean, it, 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 something like that. Somebody's sort of slowly getting back. Do you do? You, is there a point now where you just say, you know what, this is not your time? You, I mean, yeah. I mean, don't we? we, we you know, we don't. We're not. We're not ruling anybody out. We're giving everybody an opportunity at the moment. But I think as we, as we, as we move towards the middle of July, we'll be making those calls. We'll be starting to frame and and form the twelve. Um, and a lot of that will, you know, will will be do what they're doing the here and the here and now. You know, what they've done in the past is great, um, but it's not going to get them selected because it's going to be about. Who right now, right here, right now, right this moment is best equipped to go and do the job for us? And it's it's looking at the best balanced twelve rather than picking individually the best twelve players, because it's about the role that you will play in the balance of this squad to give us all the tools and all the variables we might need to go and present and represent the country in the best way we can. You um you made some minor changes in the roster almost every tournament. Uh, while while we had a core group of guys, you you did have those changes. Um, how did um, how did those changes? Um, and how did they work? Do you feel like you got a, a chance to look at people? And... Yeah, 
the idea, yeah. I mean, and, and it was done for that reason. You know, there was there was other, there were, you know, like always when you're dealing with with, with the wider group. One, you need to provide people with opportunity. Two, you need to send messages to those that aren't quite doing what needs to be done. And it was a mixture of that. Obviously, we had, a, 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 you know, more injuries this year towards our group than we did the previous year. So it, it, it enabled us to to, to 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 rotate as well. Because it's an unforgiving series, we had to we had to look to rotate as well make sure that we were managing players players loads through the year so um, you know I think there were three athletes that played all, all ten um, being uh, Falau Madison and uh, Perry mm-hmm. um, outside that I don't think anybody else played all ten and that's kind of how we wanted it um, because we, we needed to provide opportunity we need to create competition um, I I want people guessing. I don't want people wrestling on their laurels thinking that, they, that they've secured a spot for Rio because the reality is they haven't. So it is what they do now, um, but we wanted to give everybody experience and opportunity to, to, to put a, you know, a best foot forward. And, and, and on top of that, obviously, we, we had the important Falcons tours where, again, we, we swapped and moved a couple of players around to ensure that they had appropriate game time to... To, to, to stake a claim as well so it's been quite a productive year and, and the group is established um, but now it's going to be fiercely competitive as, as we move into Olympic preparation The uh, the Falcons tours were you happy with the performances you saw there? Yeah I mean I was, I was very happy with the, with the tournament win in Vegas um, I thought that they got better and better um, and they showed intent in, and we've got to recognise that playing invitational sevens presents different problems to playing international sevens because they're going up against teams who do unorthodox things. So orthodox things that you would normally associate with the World Series won't necessarily be transferable into the invitational circuit. And I think as a consequence, we saw those adjustments as the boys moved through the two days to get the job done. Um, yeah, I was a little, little, a little bit more disappointed with, with Paris, mm-hmm. um, only because of the outcome, because I thought that was a, a tournament we, we should have and we could have won. But nonetheless, we, we picked up a, a number of knocks and injuries, minor ones, true to say, but just affected our ability to get where we needed to get to. And, and of course, some of our player pool were, were taken out due to college um, kind of commitments right. um, that, are, that are part of our fringe squad. And that's just the nature of the beast um, and something that we, that we have to contend with because, you know, their college is important and, you know, their colleges have invested heavily in them as well and we have to get that balance right because I'm a big believer in, in all the boys having other strings to their bow and, and ensuring that they do complete their education or don't compromise their education um, whilst whilst they are playing rugby. Right, you've got to, you know, one, one bad injury and you've got to be looking around yes, something else to do. 100%, yeah. um, you know. Uh, it also keeps them rounded and keeps them balanced and gives them yeah. a perspective on life. So it's very, very important for me. Good. Excellent. Now, uh, when you're looking ahead then to the selections for the Olympics, um, you've got, as you mentioned in the, the post-tournament um, interview in London, you have some people coming in. Uh, yep. uh, Chris Wiles had, had uh, as he stated, that he wanted to try to make the team. Yep. And, uh, and Nate Ebner is you know, obviously had played for the team and, and yep. stated that was a, that was a, a part of his contract with the Patriots. He wanted to come and yep. make, try to make the team. And then Andrew Duratalo, who had such a great season last year, yep. uh, comes back and tries to make the team. Yeah. Um, and, and and so let's talk about those three for a second. Okay. Do you, let, let's talk about Nate Ebner. Do you feel pressure to put him on the team? 
None at all. No. no. None whatsoever. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, and again, this is the ignorance of the Englishman <laughs> um, in, 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 the, in the world of American sport, is the fact that Nate Evans is just a rugby player to me. Um, you know, I, I get the fact he's won the Super Bowl, but I don't understand the magnitude of that. I, I, I understand his coaches, who's Belichick, but I don't understand the magnitude of that. Um, and for me, is what he does in this, in, the, in this rugby environment is whether or not he earns the right to go or not. Um, and it is, it is as simple as that, and he knows that. Um, because I'm not impressed that he's an American footballer <laughs> because I'm, I'm ignorant in terms of understanding the sport. Do I appreciate, do I acknowledge the athletic ability that you have to be to an American footballer? Absolutely, I do. But the games are different. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are comparable and I think there's a lot of transferable skills. But the actual tactical understanding of the game is very, very, very difficult. different. So, hey... He's got every opportunity. It's down to him to, to, to prove he's, he's worth a, a, a seat on the flight. Um, but, yeah, no pressure felt here at all. It's, uh, I guess it's a PR thing because he's been in, uh, you know, sort of trotted out in front of the media, yep. interviewed, everything. You know, it certainly raises the interest among the general sports media yep. in the United States. And, um, that's, uh, but but it can't, I, I guess... No coach would say that would be a factor over and above. No, without a shadow. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest with you as well, though. It's, it's, it's an interesting story, isn't it? It's not me chasing media for him and him chasing media. It's the fact of the matter. It is an interesting story. But you see, there's two spins on that or, or two viewpoints. It's, it's an interesting story, and if he makes it, great. But if he doesn't make it, it just proves you can be a Super Bowl winner, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good rugby player right. or a good enough rugby player to go. But what it also opens up is, actually... Why isn't rugby positioned in high schools to complement, to make American football boys better? Because there are so many transferable skills that will make you a, potentially a better American footballer. You know, let's just talk around the tackle area, spatial awareness, all of that. But if you if you played rugby between the ages of 12 and 18 to complement and become an American footballer, by the time you get to college, hey, you I've said this on many occasions, if I was 18 years old and I had an opportunity to play college American football, I am in. But if I'm like the 99% that don't make it, and I've had six, seven years of rugby education between the 12 and 18, then I can pick up the game and, and run again in a year. And Nate's proved that you can pick up the game and give it a shot. Whether or not he runs out of time or he makes it is a different point. But the NFL have a real opportunity for player welfare. And if, if, if they invested in high school rugby to complement, to create better NFL players, and also a player welfare pathway for the 99% that don't make it, there's, there's such an interesting story here, an opportunity, in the like of all the concussion stories that are going on attached to tackling, that I just don't see why the NFL don't look at this and think of it as, as an investment vehicle and a player welfare vehicle. Because, you know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, for, for, for an NFL player to, with no rugby experience, a different than ever to transfer across, it's a five-year plan. So by the time they get anywhere near it at 23, they're 28, 29. Now that sounds a little bit familiar like the Perry Baker story. Mm -hmm. yeah. So imagine if we'd have got Perry Baker at 22, 23 years old, what he would be like at 28, rather than what we've, what we've now got now. Look, at, you know, there's a guy that he's recognised now, makes the World Series dream team, but he's put seven years hard working. Yeah. So for me, there's huge opportunity for American sport here. And maybe the Olympics will open up the eyes to that. Because if you said to me, it, it would take me as a rugby coach a year 
to transfer one of those players that's had five or six years rugby education between the ages of 12 and 18. And now all of a sudden we're creating a player pool and a player depth that will, we're not prodding the bear to wake it up, it will be wide awake. And then we will be able to compete, not only in the sevens world, but in the 15s world, because that would be the, those same athletes, some of them go to basketball, some of those go to wrestling and judo and track and field as well. But all of a sudden you've just, you've just raised your player pool, ticked all your key characteristics you need to make up a rugby team. And it requires a bit of forward thinking, a bit of visioning from one of the biggest corporates probably in America, being the NFL, well, let's not let's not exclude the NBA there. Right. right. To, to, to to invest in sport in America and also create pathways for those athletes that don't make it into the the pinnacle of their career. Now they're then seem to be looking after the the uh, the the sports people that have invested so much time in their sports. No, that's good. That's good. And and the the concussion thing is huge. It's, yeah. And and it, and it is growing somewhere. We see we see these little players. I mean, I'm threatened Palamo was a a rugby to football to rugby guy yep. and, and I, I and I think you're right you know if, if they get rugby in them early on it makes them better football players but it also allows them the familiarity to another sport that they can play forever um, and uh, I, I did want to go back to Ebner for, for yes, one, one more thing and, and the, the, I, I, I'm not going to ask you about his, his, like, his rugby abilities yep. he knows all the stuff but, but his attitude um, seems to be pretty spot on and he was on TV just recently, and they were saying something about being in the Olympics. And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait! If I make the team, yeah." Uh, and he seems to have the right attitude. Um, yeah, phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal professional, unbelievable professional. I mean, the humility, bucketful. So all you know, all of them, again, I've watched the American films on any given Sunday in the bravado that's right, attached sure. to American football players. Humility, bucketfuls. Attention to detail, focus to work ethic, hard work, un- you know, quiet man, goes back, gets about his business, relentless to try and be the best he can be. He ticks all the boxes. I, can, I mean, I can see why Belichick at the, the Patriots is like, I, want, I need players like this in my squad. Because what, he's, what he has brought into this environment is um, a, a, a very hard-nosed bluntness that was required in terms of what's good and what's not good enough. And actually, sometimes for the coaching team as well, we don't necessarily see the wood for the trees. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an outside set of eyes that's coming fresh and late that has challenged and asked questions of us, which is great. Because if it makes our environment better and it makes our team better, I am all in for that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Chris Wiles, uh, Premiership winning, uh, European Cup winning captain of the 15s uh, national team. Same thing. I mean, do you do you feel pressure to do this? Does he does he have is he under pressure, maybe, to come in and, and prove himself as a sevens player, which is very difficult to just transfer from fifteens to sevens. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Walsy, I mean, credit to Walsy. He, he wants to he wants to try. So he's putting his reputation on the line. A bit like Edna, you know. And I've said to him, there's no guarantees because it's not what you've done in the past. It's what you're going to do now that matters. But you see, the thing about Wiles is, yes, he's got the temperament. He's played top-class rugby. You know, he's, he's a double a double winner in, the, in in recent weeks. The biggest thing for Wilesy will be, can he, can he, a man of his age, adapt to the working volumes that are required to be successful in this environment? Because he has the rugby ability. He has the the uh, the temperament to be successful, and he has the off-field and on-field experiences to deal with a big occasion. But can he stick to task? And has he got enough time to make the conditioning adjustment in order to deliver? So that's the challenge for Wilesy. And if he does, then he stands a very good chance. If he doesn't, he won't make it. 
And it is as simple as that for Chris, and he gets it. And the easy thing for Chris to do would be say, do you know what, this isn't for me, I'm just going to stay at home. But that's not the mark of the man. The mark of the man is, I'm going to enter the tank trying to get there. So in terms of a positive impact to our environment, he's going to be great. Because what you've got is a, is a guy that wants the team to succeed. And if he can be a part of it, he's all in. And if he can't, then he goes home knowing he did everything he could to try and be that person. So he's going to have no but-ifs, which is exactly what you want. He, um, I suppose there's a danger of somebody wanting to sort of just take control because he's experienced and there were moments when he played for the 17 that he sort of took control of games, yeah. but he's got to fit in. Um, do you look at a player... I mean, at this point, we talked we talk a lot about fitness. You have so many players now who played at this level. Yeah. What if you have someone who, who's who's unable to give you 14 minutes? Well, that, yeah. Well, you, we're very fortunate now because of the new rolling substitutions that we can, in fact, carry special teams, so to speak. Or you can at least carry one special team in, in your in your team. But because of the ability to roll in subs, you can, you can roll somebody on for four minutes, watch them kind of blow out, and then bring them off, and then put them back on. So it does allow you the current... You know, whether or not I agree with the, with the rolling substitutions mm-hmm. and, and the tactical abuse that you can use with it is a different point. But nonetheless, if that's what I'm being given, then I will have that as a consideration when I put the balance 12 together. Is do I, do I consider carrying a special teams player because of the other things he brings, even though he can't give me 14 minutes? Absolutely, that will be a huge consideration because, as I've said, you don't necessarily pick your best players. You pick your best balance 12 players to go to war. Can you can you sort of explain to the, the listeners a little bit more about the rolling subs? Um, yeah, so the so yeah. the way the rolling subs works is that now you've got you've got five subs, okay? So you've got you've got right. seven that are playing, you've got another five in your squad. So that means it's so twelve in all. So I have five cards where I can make five changes, but it doesn't mean I have to use all five subs on my bench. I could use one, change him in, bring somebody off. But then the bloke I've just bought off, I could change him back in somebody else or the bloke I've just put him in for so it allows you to overcome some of the conditional conditioning challenges you may have if you want to carry a special teams player or you want to carry a, a player that you think will add to your your squad uh, in a way but necessarily can't can't play 14 minutes or can only play seven minutes or can only play two blocks of four minutes so it, you know, it, it, it's been bought in in theory for those teams that lose players down to injury. Then they've only got they've only got ten fit players to pick from, but they still have the five the ability to make five changes. Right, right, and then and it sort of replaces the old uh, guest player. It, it replaces, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it replaces pool. the guest player, but unfortunately, yeah. where it's being tactically abused is right now is you've got five fit players on the bench. You don't use three of them; you just use two of them. You interchange in and out. Right, and that's what some some teams have have kind of adopted. Um, which was not the point of the rolling subs, um, but hey, they're the rules. Whether or not, as I said, whether or not I agree with them in their current form is is, is not really relevant. But the fact of the matter is, they're the rules of the game, and we will use and abuse to make sure that we get the best balanced twelve that we need to go to Rio. Uh, fans might remember actually, uh, his name was Guest. David Guest played for Cal and uh, was in the. Uh, player replacement pool back in the USA 7s back in 2005 and he actually scored a try for Tonga uh, <laughs> so, uh, he's got that on his record um, speaking of 14 minutes uh, you went through 
pretty much uh, a season and a half with having uh, Carlin Isles and Perry Baker share time, uh, generally share like seven minutes each. Maybe it was a 10 and four, whatever it was. And then uh, Carlin opted to go uh, miss um, Vancouver because he wanted to try out, uh, try his hand back at playing uh, at running track and running at the uh, national indoor track championships where he finished fifth in the 60 meters. Um, That left Perry to pretty much carry the load, which he managed to do. So, um, I'm mean, interested how that affects your your thought process. Is now you you know that somebody like Perry Baker can play a full fourteen. And what you see for both of them is that they are more than capable of both playing fourteen minutes. Whether or not we, you know, and these the things that they're still playing for, whether or not we go to Rio with two of them or we go to Rio with one of them, um, is will be down to a squad balance. But what I know is that I I know fully fully that either of them can play for fourteen minutes and play for two day tournaments. I also know that they offer slightly different things and do we need in our balance 12 both parts of the recipe or not or do we need one part of the recipe and we have to compromise with something else those things are still being kind of debated and, and considered but you know what you saw from, from, from Perry is, is you know and this is the most important thing for me is moving forward going forward he, yes we know he's, he's grown into this rugby player that everybody kind of fears but some of his tracking back work in defence you know that was the bit that's what really impressed yep. me that was what I saw the sea change in Vancouver and he carried that through and you know the biggest compliment that any person can be said is that towards the end of the season you've got, you've got guys around the circuit who have been watching rugby for 34 years and played and refed at the highest level going Perry Baker's he's a proper rugby player now yeah. I mean that's that's the utmost respect that you can get as a rugby player and he got his just reward by being named in that World 7 Series team that dream team not only for his work he did moving forward because he did he scored some spectacular tries but they were different tries they were, they were kick and chase tries they were length of the length of the field tries they weren't they were clinical finishing tries but he also created for other people his aerial skills at kickoff time were where they need to be we started to see him making his tackles and his clears and making good decisions of when and when not to and we still had his couple of his bloopers as well didn't we we had the shot <laughs> ball with Hong Kong we had the run over the line in Australia we had another one in, in, in Paris you know, that's the big thing about Perry is, is he deals with adversity and he learns from it and he, and he moves on and he moves forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm hugely impressed and, and pleased for Perry for how hard he's worked and how far he's come and how much he has listened and, and worked on his game both sides because he's chasing back in D is, was, 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 was just a joy for me to see because that was where I'm, you know, I, I, a clear indication is that he took on board the constructive words that were had with him he went away and he implemented, um, and credit to him. Excellent, excellent. Uh, the, do, does it, that mean has he, has he bypassed Carlin? Is he oh. better than Carlin? They're different players. They're different finishers. I mean, honestly, they're very. I mean, I know people. A lot of people go, "Well, they're, 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 they're the same." They're not. They're not. You know. You know. Perry's very good at picking his lines on and off the ball, but Carlin's. There's nobody better in the world. If Carlin sits you down, he, <laughs> yeah. sco- he scores. He right. scores. End of story. And there's nobody else in the world can do that. I mean, Sanatla can't do that. Sanatla is your archetypal poacher on turnover. That's why he gets so many tries for South Africa. Because they turn the ball over and they give it to him and the people can't react quickly enough and then he's gone because his first third is pretty special. Carlin, if he sits you down, and whether it's 10 metres or 5 metres of space, he scores. It's done. So there are tries that we, we didn't score but we would have scored if Carlin had been on the pitch, which is very different to the way that Perry operates. 
Perry's a Perry's a real running threat, and so they're, they're, they're different wingers. They're, they're, they offer different things, and that's why when when they do play, when we have played them in the same squad together, like people are like, why did he start that? And why didn't he start that? It doesn't it doesn't necessarily go on form. It goes on who we're playing and who they're playing against, as to who we feel will be best deployed to start that game, or who would be best deployed to, to come on and make an impact in that game. And you know that's a, that's a tactical nuance which we adopt. As a, as a as a as a coaching team, when we, when we decide who we will, which X factor will we play? One thing we do know for sure is they can't play together. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's always Con- been, people have brought that up. Yeah. yeah, contrary to what they both think. Uh, <laughs> on the two occasions I have given that opportunity, thankfully they have both proved me right. That's uh, so, you know, what is it about that that doesn't work? Well, because whilst they they are they are different ultimately they both see the same spaces mm, yeah. <laughs> and the reality is they just get to that space in a different way so we, you know we did try we tried at the Halloween sevens and we you know you know we tried to get them on different sides of the pitch but the reality is they, all, they gravitate towards the same spaces so as a consequence sometimes they can get in the way of one another because they both see the same things and that's just you know they, as much as they would love to be on the pitch together it's it would be it would be kind of all back to the war that happened yeah. In, uh, in, in Rio. But uh, never say never, eh? Right, well, you never know. Suddenly some, <laughs> some special thing comes out in yeah, a key yeah. moment. Yeah, That's uh, the thing. As a coach, you've got to be open to that. You have, you have a couple of other players who, who perhaps seem similar or play play mm. somewhat similar roles, and maybe Maka Anufe and Martin Iosefo yep. have certain similarities. Martin's a, probably a bigger, more punishing guy, and mm. and, and Maka perhaps a little bit better turn of pace. and, and yeah. Um, I always liked his passing. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. spot so, on there. Yeah, what, I mean, the Go on. Well, what, what have you got there? I mean, is this is this a, is this two guys fighting for one position, one spot, or is it something that you you can you have room for both? Well, I think I think you know it's interesting. I, I mean, I call them the poster boys. I mean, <laughs> we've got the Chuckle Brothers on the outside. We've got the poster. We've got the poster boys in the centre. They, they're out. They're, you know, ultimately, they're both running threats. They're both X factor running threats in the centre. Um, you know, Mac is more about his agility and his footwork um, and his ability, as you said, that turn of pace, that acceleration to create and get through the gap himself and cause mayhem and then attract defenders. Whereas Martin is, your, is more your offloading um, stepper that can power through holes and, and then create for those that run off him. So, but, but they're, they're very similar in, in, in stature, but they're both X Factor players. You've also got, you know, the man who's. That's, that also is, is starting to turn heads a little bit with, with the way he's kind of changed his uh, physical um, his physical body and the way that he's now carrying himself and, and athletically and aesthetically how he looks in threat for mm-hmm. he's a guy who has had to habitually change his behaviours and be totally disciplined and focused on his nutrition and his conditioning and you're starting to see all of a sudden his athletic ability, his ability to change direction, because he's a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's the, he's a man that has the physical power and the, and the and the step of Martin, but he also has the agility to to a kind of a similar extent as, as Maka. So he is very much in that mix, um, and, and, and will be competing hard as well um, for that area. And he has the versatility, a little bit like Martin, of also being able to operate up front. Um, and then obviously we've also got the the, the the likes of Kevin Swirin who's working extremely hard to get back from his knee and is a has a never never say die warrior attitude um, who, who also brings a real kind of physicality and outside break and is, has a really good kind of bump and fend 
to, to cause defences different problems as well in, in that kind of midfield area. So we've got options, we've got choices in that area and it will be, be competitive. Kind of a freakish uh, comeback, potentially, from Kevin Swearing. Yeah. Um, because it, it really didn't look like that was going to be in the cards at all. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, shades, shades of getting the band back together with him and uh, Wiles, <laughs> um, which would be interesting. Uh, you, we we talked about the the new uh, the new faces, even though they're old faces, uh, and Andrew Duratalo is yeah. the other guy, and 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 one of the things uh, you know he brought was his ability in the breakdown, and and, and yeah. certainly what I remember is the World Cup qualifier where he he set up. Um, I think it was a try for Baker, but I may be wrong. It may have been a no-face try, but he set up a key try that essentially put the game away yeah. uh, against Canada by a poach inside the yeah. in 22. Um, so he, he, here's another 15s guy coming back, but th- does he bring us a, a, a skill and ability that you need, that you lack, that you want? Well, he, 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 what he brings into the environment first and foremost is his experience and a presence. Um, and, and, a, and a heavily respected presence. I mean, the, the big thing for, for, for Drew, for Drew and, and what we set him as he went to do Super 15 was you work so hard to get that Super 15 contract because of your approach and the change of habits towards your conditioning and your nutrition. What we don't want to see when you come back is the old Drew. We want to see the Drew that you became. Mm. And he's turned up at 15's camp and he ain't far away. And I'm, uh, 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 we'll play, he'll play the first test and then he will he will join the the, uh, the sevens group, and he'll have two weeks with Brownie, and uh, he'll be where he needs to be to compete all out for a place. And uh, you're right. I mean, we know we know Drew's natural kind of what, what he brings to to the squad in terms of his poaching ability, but also his, his distribution, his vision to move the ball to the right areas well quickly um, is, is is also sometimes underestimated. I think what'll be interesting in this dynamic because whilst you would say that you had Drew, who was the man. Who was, who was driving that you've also got the man coming who I thought has been outstanding and just got better and better every tournament he's played in Ben Pinkelman uh-huh. you know there's a man that's been poaching for fun when he's when he's played this season for us a little bit of a different player to Drew you know and still got a, a probably more to learn in terms of distribution skills and understanding where he needs to be um, with, with ball in hand but in terms of raw poaching ability um it's going to be interesting to see those boys go at it in, in, in training. That's great. Now, you, are, do you as a coach have to manage the emotions of these players when, when you know, someone like Ben Pinkelman or Garrett Bender um, has been slogging away all, all season and somebody come, sort of waltzes in looking to maybe take his place? Is there, is there a negative feeling a negative emotion that you have to manage or do you just um, expect them to no, do I mean, it? No, I mean, I, th- I think the reality is like all things as a coach, you've got to be honest and up front and, and, and kind of make it very clear what we're playing for here. Um, I'm not I'm not here to upset anybody. I, I mean, I'm, I'm here to, to do the best thing for the country and pick the best 12 players who I think will go and do the job and represent the country the way it needs to be represented at Rio. Now, I'm not interested in personal agendas. I'm interested in the team agenda. So, and that's the way that these boys need to approach it. They just need to compete and fight and do everything they can to the best of their ability to put themselves in the best position to be picked. And you know, whilst Bender and Pinkelman have been grinding it out here, Andrew Duratel has been grinding it out in the Super 15. So it's not like he's been kicking back and, and taking <laughs> it easy and, and right. backing himself. That bloke's been out there working yeah, every day yeah. to become better at his craft, yeah. to give himself the best opportunity yeah. to come in here and compete. 
and that's how we have to accept it. It is a challenge, but it's a, it's it, it's got to be a collegiate challenge, and you've got to use the competitiveness of your of your of your brothers that you that are in your squad to try and make yourself the better player, and you've got to try and push them and get them to push you, and that is the way it's positioned in this environment. Nobody is a sacred cow, and nobody has a divine right because it's not what you've done; it's what you're going to do and what you're doing right now. You know that's what matters in um, as, as we, because we have to pick the right balanced squad that's doing it at that moment in order to to, to take those important moments when they come. Uh, the sevens tournament pretty much kicks off the the Olympics, which um, you know thank God for that because. You know, the Olympics is the first few days is you just watch a lot of swimming, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, which is great. I love swimming. I used to be a competitive swimmer, but uh, uh, but, uh, you know, that's a lot of swimming to watch. Um, that's really good. But the big question then is for any athlete who is there at the beginning of the Olympics. Do they do they go to the opening ceremonies? Well, for us, it's, I mean, I can answer that question very simply. I mean, the, we don't compete for that three days after the opening ceremony, so I right. will not rob the boys the opportunity of a lifetime of, of, of going to the opening ceremony. We will build training before to ensure that we will be tapering down. So they will be given the opportunity, if they want to, to go to the opening ceremony because we don't compete the next day. Um, and the reality is that they will be given the day after to recover. There will be strict protocols in place to ensure that their hydration and their nutrition is where it needs to be, um, but you know, th- these are these are lifetime experiences, and and you know, uh, fortunately, I haven't got the horrible decision that we're playing the next day because if we've been playing the next day, they wouldn't have been going. Um, but no, we 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 need to we need to get a balance and a perspective on this as well, and uh, we will they will be afforded that opportunity if they if they wish to attend. And it's, I mean, it's good for the fans. You know, any rugby fan watching that will suddenly say, "Hey, look! You know, there's 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 a player recognised, and, and suddenly you see your rugby yeah. player there at the Olympics, and and that'll be pretty great too." Um, uh, finally, and I, I I think I know the answer to this one, Mike. But um, what's the goal? <laughs> the goal begins with G. Um, the goal, the goal, yep. the goal is gold. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not going there to make up the numbers. And I've always said that. I said, you know, the biggest thing for this USA rugby team is is to be recognised and respected by the rest of the world as contenders. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not going there saying we're going to win gold. You know, we're not as should I say fortuitous and as bold as the likes of the Fijians. Who are seen as the 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 tournament favourites? You know, we're not. It's not. It's not ours to win. It's not ours to lose. Yes, we're the defending champions, and right. but I think the reality is is this: Are we capable on our day of winning that gold medal? Yes, we are. Now we couldn't say that eighteen months ago. If the rest of the world respect us, they fear us. But the reality is, there's we're going to have to play to our ability and do what we do best and mix up our game of physicality, power and pace. And we're going to, like all, all teams to win this gold medal, you're going to need a little bit of luck and the rubber to green. Uh, but if we take our chances and we take our big moments, then we are more than capable. And that's what we're striving to do. We're not striving to do to, to play any to any less than our potential. And that means that we are capable of winning gold. I mean, if we come away with anything less... Am I going to be disappointed? No, I'm not, as long as they have represented this country and we are proud and that they emptied the tanks and gave 
And if we get done by playing to the best of our ability by a team who just played better than us on the day, then that's that's professional sport. That's performance sport. Well, I think that's it. You know, that's and and I would imagine, you know, it's about medals. It's about gold for the U.S. Olympic Committee. Yeah. And 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 that's that's expected. Um, but I think they also know the the mountain you have to climb the the sheer competitiveness of this field of twelve teams. I mean, yeah, yeah, I hear you on it. I mean, it's interesting because I, I mean, when I arrived, <laughs> yeah. um, and I and I talk about this with with the squad, but I, you know, we've we've got very we've all got very short memories. When I arrived, the the, the key stat that the the US the United States Olympic Committee chucked at me or, or you shock was, well, you've got less than 10% chance of even qualifying for the Olympics. Within 12 months, this group of lads changed that, swung that to being a 90% chance that we would qualify. So, you know, you, you, you shock need to also have a, have a perspective here. Yeah. We're, we're, it is about gold medals. Of course it is because it's about winning. But the reality is we're on a journey now. We're ahead of our journey in the fact that we've got to where we've got to, to be contenders in 2016. But being blunt, the continued investment to make sure this program and support by, by USOC to ensure that we probably realise our potential in 2020 means that whatever happens at this Olympics, whether we win gold or whether we don't, we're on the right trajectory and we need to be backed by USOC to continue on that trajectory so that if we if we win a medal even if it's the of the highest color we make sure that we kick on to ensure that we win it again or if we don't win that medal we continue on the trajectory and we continue on the investment to make sure that we do win that medal in 2020 we're in a great place we're in a great place but what i don't want to happen is post olympics whatever result is that that we lose momentum on an outcome right. when actually we have to look at the bigger picture. And that would be a travesty because all would happen is we'd just lose two years and we'll be starting again. Yeah. Performance, but also how you carry yourself, right? Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. And, I mean, that, and, yeah. and if, the, and if the, the, the image is maybe not of a gold medal winning performance, but it is of, of a bunch of players playing themselves into the ground in a game, you know, people respect that. People see that. Well, I agree. I mean, Alex, you know, the, the true reflection is the people, the the people that will be watching around America, if they if they look on at that team and they think and they they're proud of of the way that that team has represented them, then what more can you ask? You know, because this is what I tell the boys. I said, you you understand that you need to understand the accountability that you take on when you put this shirt on. You know, you you are representing not just you and your family and your friends, but you are representing a nation. How do you think that nation wants to be represented? What are the characteristics that they want associated with them? You know, it's going to be resilience. It's going to be work ethic. It's going to be desire. It's going to be passion. It's going to be enthusiasm. It's, of course, you know, their, their emotions, their characteristics to go along with the fact that, yes, we need to be a technically gifted ability team with ability. But, you know, that's that's... That's their their things. They're not personality and outcome. And the personality of this team needs to represent the personality of the country and make the country proud that they are being represented in the way that they want to be represented. All right, perfect, Mike Friday. Uh, best of luck. Thank you. I uh, don't and uh, and good luck uh, 
putting everything, all the pieces together, uh, including some different pieces uh, <laughs> this summer uh, and, and figuring it all out. Um, I, it's a tough job. I, 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 it is, uh, I'll tell you, it really seems like it's a tough job because you've got a lot of good players and a lot of pieces to put together. Yeah. Um, and, That's great, uh, hey? I'd yeah. rather be that coach yeah. with all of those pieces because... <laughs> You know, I, I want you know. It, it don't nobody want nobody wants nobody wants the job, the job of having the hard conversations. But hey, that's that's part of the job. You can't have the good bits without the bad bits. Um, that's true. And the bad bits make the character of the good bits, and that's unfortunately the nature of performance sport. Yeah. Perfect. All right, Mike. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Hey, no worries, mate. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers. And that's going to do it. Uh, really, really great insights from, from Mike in terms of everything from food to outside pressures for selections to personalities, everything. Um, and it was really great for him to be so open about everything. Rugby Matrix America is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Don't forget to check out the Rugby Matrix International Show at rugbymatrix.com. You can also see or listen to the Rugger Matrix International Show and Rugger Matrix America on iTunes. And also if you go to golfrugbyreport.com forward slash tags forward slash Rugger Matrix, you'll be able to see all the old shows on golfrugbyreport.com. Until next time when the guys will be back, it won't be just me. Uh, thanks for listening to Rugger Matrix America. <laughs>